Hefter, and welcome to You Heart to Hartford. Here we take you inside the University of Hartford and the stories being told by the many talented people who are the University of Hartford, faculty, staff, students, and alumni, the experience and experiences they're sharing on our West Hartford campus and beyond. Shanta Lee Gander is an artist and multifaceted professional. Her endeavors include writing and photography with work that has been featured in PRISM, the Crisis Magazine, and the Ms. Magazine blog. Chantelie's photojournalism has been featured on Vermont Public Radio, and her investigative reporting has been in the Commons Weekly newspaper covering Wyndham County, Vermont. Shanta Lee is the 2020 recipient of the Arthur Williams Award for Meritorious Service to the Arts and a member of the Vermont Humanities Council Speakers Bureau. She is an MFA candidate in creative nonfiction and poetry at the Vermont College of Fine Arts and has an MBA from the University of Hartford and an undergraduate degree in women, gender, and sexuality from Trinity College. Shanta Lee, thank you for sharing your experiences with us. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. So I have to ask you right off the top, how do you find all the creative time to do all that you do? <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny. There are some things, a lot of things weave in with other things. It, yeah, I would say that's probably the simplest way I can answer that. <laughs> tell me uh, and tell us about the route that you took to becoming an artist in such diverse ways. Oh, that's a really good question. I Writing was always something in my bones that I always did. It was actually one of the few ways that I could communicate in my home. Mm-hmm. You know, writing in my journal uh, first came to poetry before I, before I even knew to call myself a poet, like before I really had the right to call myself a poet. Uh, that, that was my first mode of communication along with writing in my journal and a uh, funny story, I stole my dad's camera when I left for college, even mm-hmm. though I was going, you know, staying right in Hartford. So I didn't go far to college, but I stole my dad's Nikon. Then it dropped oh. uh, and did not work anymore. So I always had a love and attraction to images. And yeah, I, I would have to say it's been a long, windy road, kind of bumping into things and then realizing um, my interests in certain areas. Right. Now... Why did you choose the the management and marketing program at the University of Hartford for your MBA? You know, it's it's funny um, because my art and the MBA program were not connected at first. I was interested in getting my MBA to have a, a toolbox. I always considered myself as someone who is entrepreneurial by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I created and implemented Planned Parenthood of Southern New England's first statewide internship program. You know, I went on to work for the city of New Haven, winning an RFP. And I feel like a lot of the skills that I got um, in terms of, you know, thinking about organizational development, thinking about what appreciative inquiry is, all these different things have helped me within the realm of my leadership, organizational development, um, consulting even. Mm -hmm. So even in working in Vermont, and as I started thinking about all the different ways, you know, making connections to different people, speaking their language in terms of developing partnerships, um, certainly some of the work I've done with the strolling of the heifers years ago, playing their two and a half day ag workshops, which was all about, you know, people who are running businesses and doing all sorts of things. So I say... MBA helped me to have the language, but also just expand upon thinking about, you know, how do you get 
how do you brand and what does that mean? And what does it mean to put things out into the world or even be able to communicate it to yourself? So I would imagine that there is a direct connection uh, between your studies at the University of Hartford, your MBA and promoting your art. Oh, yes. Um, and it's it's funny because, again, it didn't begin that way. But as I started to go get my MFA mm-hmm. a few years ago, I was thinking, oh, you know what? There's some skills that artists and I, I've consulted with many different artists. I've managed um, book tours. I've done all sorts of things. And one of the things that was missing is for creatives to think about entrepreneurial inclination or see themselves as businesses or business owners. Uh, And I recently just started Obsidian Arts L3C. And one of the things that it does is, you know, doing workshops on talking to people on how do they think in business terms about their creativity, something even like, how do you leverage failure? Because you don't always, you know, or how do you just rethink it so that it doesn't stop your growth? You referenced L3C. Help us understand what that means. Sure. Um, I'm still learning it myself, actually. It's more of a hybrid, and it it gives more flexibility. I think that there's, I mean, people are very familiar with nonprofits. They're also, and it's not quite a nonprofit, and there's also the limited liability corporation, the LLC. Oh, uh, okay. So it's, yep, and not every state has that as an option. So when you register your business in Vermont, it's an option here, Mm -hmm. but not all states have that option. And I'm still exploring what it means myself, but it, it felt like it gave some flexibility of sort of a hybrid Mm -hmm. um, as a business. And I'm again, it's very new. So I'm still thinking of what this means in terms of my planning as a creative. So at what point Shanta, did you you know, look at the aspects of managing and marketing and the creative work that you do and realize, you know, there are, you know, there, there are synergies here and there are kind of questions that should be answered by folks who are creative so that they can, can move forward. Is that the right way to put it? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the right right way to put it. And I guess I would say for, for actually probably like while in the program and beyond Mm -hmm. um, as someone has who would always know that if you're planning an event, for example, or planning something, you have to ask yourself, how am I communicating this to this group of people? Um, When I was working at Planned Parenthood and devising their statewide internship program, I also was creating and implementing an academic mentoring program at Trinity College. Those were kind of happening at the same time. And I was in charge of both different organizations doing those. And I knew, sorry, and this was before I entered into the University of Hartford program, but entering the program and focusing in and even thinking broader too of what it means like within the realm of having an MBA. Mm -hmm. It also meant strategic thinking um, and as I started to get serious and more serious about my creative work, uh, I'll take uh, this current exhibition as an example. Mm-hmm. So um, I just got accepted for a solo show for Dark Goddess. And I knew that as I was, that was something six years in the making, just thinking about it and, and letting it just date and just letting it sit and revisiting it. 
but coming up with a plan. You know, what is this thing? How do I communicate this to potential models who are going to participate? And then what does that look like in exhibition? How many photos? Right. How are the photos going to be printed out? What's the budget? Um, does this involve a grant? Does this involve others? Um, my book that's coming out, mm-hmm. Ghetto Claustrophobia, Dreaming of Mama While Trying to Speak Woman in Woke Tongues, also required thinking about a plan, like working towards a plan. Because when I started it, I did not have a conception of a book. It was just sort of like, oh, if I want to apply for prizes in the realm of poetry, I need to have a collection. What does that collection look like? I didn't have any of that in Mm -hmm. 2018. So you talk about your solo show, uh, Dark Goddess, and, and you reference to waiting to, to get out for a number of years and move forward mm-hmm. on that. And I th- think you've alluded to it. So was it the logistical slash, if I can use the word, business side of an exhibition that really prompted you to to move forward and help you get it out, if you will? You know, interestingly enough, it was COVID. Hmm. And I'll explain that. So Last year, I felt I started working on a like I was I I was put starting to put some things together for another exhibition that wasn't Dark Goddess in the previous year to that like in 2019 and I had these plans where I was like okay I'm going to continue shooting for this thing Dark Goddess was something I thought about and just kind of sat on the shelf and I do that with a lot of different things right they they're in different states of finish and so. During COVID, I felt like, you know, well, I can't do this, can't do that, can't do this. You know, I felt just kind of stifled. And then one person had pushed me to do a photo shoot. They really wanted to do a photo shoot with me because we'd worked together before. And I wasn't expecting that the pictures that came out, like they did connect to that theme, Mm -hmm. given also what they wanted to do. And I asked their permission. I said, hey, could I, you know, include this in The Dark Goddess? And actually, it was a way for I knew that I could shoot, keep my mask on, mm-hmm. keep safe, keep distance. You know, we're, we're shooting outside. In right. some cases, I was able to get some breath, but keep safe distance. And I was able to do several shoots before winter. Um And then it just occurred to me that it was also my way in into my other exhibition that I felt was so stymied mm-hmm. by the pandemic. So yeah, I yeah, I would have to say like COVID <laughs> kind of like it helped me get out of my own way right. and thanks to to that person. Shanta, you are a writer of prose and poetry, an investigative journalist, a photographer. That's just for starters. Um, (laughs) Did you uh, set out to develop all these different skills, you know, art forms? Did they develop naturally? How did it happen? That's a really good question. Oh, my God. Um, I, over time, I would say, I do believe that people go through different uh, creative stages of development. And at first, my poetry and writing in my journal were something just, private. Mm -hmm. Didn't even think about, you know, I didn't really have parents who mentored me in that way. I knew I was going to college, but that was just pretty much it. There was no questions I was going to college, but that was it. Right. 
So in terms of really, you know, I enrolled myself at the Greater Hartford Academy of the Arts. And I, when I found out about it, I was in my senior year of high school and my um, guidance counselor was like, I don't think this is a good idea for you. Other children have been, you know, the other students have been in that program since their sophomore year. And, you know, and I, and I, I did it anyway. Um, you know, got access to T.S. Eliot and it, it, and so many other things. And it opened my world. And I say, I would say gradually, like while I continued to write poetry, um, I went to India for five months in 2011, came back, didn't have a job, pitched to one of the local papers that I like, could I have a column? And they said, well, they don't have space, but you could do a blog. Mm-hmm. And so I would do different things on that, did a radio segment, a short two minute radio segment that was weekly. And I, yeah, so from there, I would say that I did over time, things gradually built, like picked up a camera, you know, got a camera before going to India and then just like live behind my lens while, while also experiencing it. So I would say over time, and then I started to step back and say, okay, what are the gaps? What are the things? Um, with the journalism, it was something I just started doing with a few years ago with my husband who's worked for News, News He worked for Newsweek when he was in his 20s, like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, working with him and learning some skills. And, you know, I'm, I'm very natural at asking questions. Right. And, you know, learning the tenets of journalism, um, Definitely. And it feels like it matches with the tenets of just my art in general of wanting to seek truth, but in, in encouraging people to ask themselves deeper questions as well. Mm-hmm. So there's all like a streamline with all of that. Your book of poetry, uh, Ghetto Claustrophobia, Dreaming of Mama While Trying to Speak Woman in Woke Tongues, I understand is coming out in June. Mm-hmm. Um, tell, tell us about the book, the inspiration behind it. Oh, thank you. Um, so when I started, I think I mentioned this when I started in 2018, I remember my husband's also a poet. So I said to him, I said, I don't, he was like, yeah, you can apply for prizes, but you don't have a book. Like you need like 40 pages or like if you're probably, you know, applying for a chat book, which is a shorter version of a book. It's not a full book. So I started thinking, okay, I have a goal. Let me, and this is around the same time I was entering into my MFA program. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, let me slowly start putting together a collection and then see how far I get. At that time, right around that time, myself, my husband, and a couple of friends of ours, we did a self-imposed celebration of like Mary Shelley. I think it was like the 200th anniversary of Frankenstein. Okay. And we did like a locked-in, write-in for a weekend, kind of trying to recreate the same way that Frankenstein was created. Right. And so I use these different self-imposed and um, retreats as opportunities to build the work. And then, you know, without counting along the way, and then I think a year in, when I got into my poetry semester, I was able to actually see what the bones were of the work. Mm-hmm. And with Diode Editions, I originally won the chapbook prize. And then they wrote me and asked me if if it could be a whole book. Mm-hmm. And I did have a whole book of work. And so what's coming out is a whole book. And that that was about a couple of years in the making mm-hmm. of slowly working towards the goal. And <laughs> I'm on another manuscript too, several other <laughs> manuscripts. So <laughs> You're busy. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Shanta, I'm going to put you on a spot just a little bit here. Can you share a can you share a poem with us? A short poem from Ghetto Claustrophobia. I can, and I actually <laughs> I was expecting that that would be a question. <laughs> so let's see. Okay, I'm going to. I know what I'm going to share, so I have it right here. Okay. Forgotten tastes like cheese soured to the tongue while visiting mother. Here you banish sins of the day, banish what couldn't find its way into the pot, the rot in the corner, a veiled stench, and another there, you be balm, salve, you be sanctified, a part of how good got right, how right got us forgot how to get right. The closest we come feels kind of like the voices that reach in, makes we jump. Not that kind of jump. The one hid in haint blue, red doors. The one where the pulpit pimps be saying, you gotta be ready when he comes rolling up in a chariot. For when he comes, you ain't got time to be fussing. Hmm. He be the boy from that other place causing her fuss. Maybe he be like she, theft in time. He be that boy from a place they wouldn't speak about. Both of them letting the world think that their skin told its kind of truth. It was a kin's kind of truth. Tastes like braille built upon bodies, white space, ellipses, dashes. Honey, they don't teach that kind of code. The code wasn't in a book. Branches so tangled, tongues can't speak it. But mama's, mama's, mama's mama claps back from forgotten. Mama's, mama's, mama's mama standing at the edge of my bed. She's followed the yellow traces of a calendula to my pillow, reaching for my throat. Hers filled with daggers, disturbance, and time saying, girl, you didn't ask. How does it feel to, after writing this poem in this book of poetry, to lift the words off the paper and speak them? That's a really good question. It's funny because with poetry, it is something that's very aural. Mm -hmm. I interviewed Fred DeGuar like last year. He's a British Guyanese poet. It's, you know, over 30 years of work and he was talking about coming in contact and poetry in that way where you would hear when you hear it spoken, there's just something interesting that happens, like the words getting into your body. Um, and then it, it's also different when it's yours versus let's say, I'll give the example of reciting Lucy Terry Prince's bars fight, which um, she's the first known African American poet in English literature, and she, you know, lived in Vermont and with her husband, and uh, they were freed, you know, freed Blacks who own their own land. Speaking her work, her only surviving work, there's something that happens, and it, I can't quite explain it, but there's something interesting where, like, when it's your words, you want to meet, you know, there's mm -hmm. certain things that go along with it, and then when you're speaking someone else's words, the way it's interpreted right. and, and felt throughout your own body, it becomes something very interesting. And I think in that way, I don't know, like in that way, as people are reading my work that, you know, they'll probably be inspired to speak these out loud themselves. Mm -hmm. 
you will, you will, you'll kind of give voice to the people who are reading your work. Yeah, like there's, there's, and and they too get to like see how the words feel for them. Mm-hmm. What does ghetto claustrophobia reveal about you, you personally? Oh. <laughs> Andrew, that's a good question. That is a really good question, Abe. A very complicated family life. Uh, there's stuff in there that's that no one in my family knows uh, that's revealed. Kind of, that's kind of scary. Um, it's very vulnerable. It also reveals the way that I want to control that people understand ghetto as a place there's a there's a poem right in the beginning that i i wrote as a, almost like a dictionary entry mm-hmm. it talks about ghetto claustrophobia and what that means and the fact that it can be in any place real or imagined and you know not necessarily just all about, you know, a black girl who grew up in Hartford kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, we become, we can imprison ourselves with our memory. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think I'll stop there. Okay. I think, yeah, <laughs> but it's, it is very revealing, revealing in a lot of ways. A lot of family stuff and memory. And as I've been working on my, my other poetry manuscript, that actually deals in, with memory, but in a totally different way and goes straight into myth. Mm. So that that's what's next creatively for, for Shanta Lee Gander? That I, yep. Well, whichever gets picked up next, I've got a memoir. I've got, mm. I've got that. Um, yes, there's mm. like a lot of next. <laughs> <laughs> I want to uh, leave you with a few words from author uh, Bianca Stone, who writes, Shanta Lee's poems are adamant and stirring. They have incredible force and intimacy. This is an incredible book, a complex multiverse of language, nightmares, visions, history, the forgotten, the painful, but also that incredibleness of human resilience and togetherness. The book that uh, Bianca Stone speaks of and writes about here is Ghetto Claustrophobia, Dreaming of Mama While Trying to Speak a Woman in Woke Tongues. It's coming out in June. The author has been our guest, Chantalee Gander, UHART MBA class of 2007. Uh, Chantalee, it's been an absolute joy. Thanks for joining us on UHART to Hartford. And Abe, thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Production and research assistance for UHART to Hartford provided by UHART students Kristen Mascara and Dylan Reyes. I'm Abe Hefter.